Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hello and welcome to Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I am joined across the table by Matt Stewart. Hello, oh, Matt. Oh, yes. Hello. <laughs> he <laughs> faked this out. He, he did a, a quick point to Jess and then he moved it around to me. Number one. Or number two, one. I guess. Number two. Number two. And number three is... Sucked in, number three. Jess, piece of shit. Jess Perkins, you are, in Matt's words, a piece of shit. Hello. Oh, no. <laughs> number three. <laughs> Number three, the third to die. I'll be the last one living. Oh, well, probably. You're well, yeah. two days older than I am, but women generally have a better life expectancy. Yeah. yeah. By a couple of years usually, right? Yeah. So, so Sorry, Dave. How's your health, Jess? You feeling good? Pretty good. I was actually just thinking before that uh, what I might do later this afternoon is go cancel my gym membership. So, yeah, my health's uh, tip-top. Thank but you. Really, so Cancelling because you've already achieved perfection. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. went... I've clocked there's, fitness. There's, what next? <laughs> there's no maintenance on that. Once no. you hit peak fitness, you're just there forever. That yeah. is the shittest thing about fitness. Isn't it? That you lose it so quickly. Yeah. How long have you been a member? Um, oh, a few years, actually. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. You've yeah. done the time. It's not like you've done your two free trials and you're like, not for me. No, no that's smart if you, if you do your two free trials and you quit it. Most people do your two free trials, somehow get signed up to a direct debit, and yeah. it just rolls on and you go, oh, shit, well, that money's exactly... coming out of my account. Yeah, see, the money getting... comes out and I can't remember the last time I was there. <laughs> oh, so how, I was going to say, how often are you going? Well, I, at various times I've been a frequent gym goer. But now that I, uh, now that comedy's bloody taken off. <laughs> You're like, I've got a podcast. I don't need That's to look the good. They only hear me. It's the worst sentence I've ever said in my life. I also do a radio show. They only hear me. Exactly. Fine. So you've been doing, you're going to spend that money on elocution lessons. Exactly. So, so that... you can learn to say kittens, I believe, is your weakness. <laughs> I'm going to learn, learn how to say S properly. <laughs> what? Learn to say what properly? S. 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 It's yeah, fine. It's perfectly normal. Fine. Yes. Thank you. Tricks. Right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that, so my fitness is great. Thank you. Great. I've never been to a gym, so really, just think about that. That's surprising because you're months. you're a pretty fit and flexible uh, young man. Flexible, especially flexible. Well, Old Bendy he, Dave over here. Did I'm you not know, that listeners, flexible. that he can lick his elbow? Oh, you can do that. That is true. Both elbows, one at a time. <laughs> I can trying. I can lick my forearm. Hello. Just. Pretty good. Mate, oh, I'll have to put this on the list of things to tweet out, but I'll tweet a photo of me twi- uh, licking my elbow. I, can... I thought it's funny when Dave told me that proudly. I'm like, yeah, good on you. Everyone can. And then, you and tried. then Like, oh. <laughs> oh. I just need to know if my licked, tongue was a foot longer. The... You <laughs> licked the, the side of your face. I licked the mic while trying to lick the... You are yeah, so far you are, Your tongue is going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> It's like you're looking into a mirror and you're confused. Yeah. <laughs> like a confused puppy. I'm hyperflexible. I can put my hands flat on the ground. I can actually go beyond my feet. Oh. With, stra- with straight legs. Straight legs. I can touch my knees. That's pretty good. Thank you. Sitting down. Can you touch them now? Ooh. <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny you should say I'm flexible. Uh, that's because three or no, four New Year's ago, I made the resolution to become more flexible because I felt that I was... I couldn't get past my knees, and now I can touch my toes because I before bed every night I just stretch my legs. Oh, Got to start good. doing that. Just stretching. That inspired me at the time, but I don't think I even did it once. You should do it. I'm going to do it every night, like Dave. Because know, it's I'm... so easy, and also you wake up feeling less um, sort of crumpled. Oh, that's, oh, awesome. that's good. I'm such a. Cr- I sleep pretty much in a ball. Yeah. Yeah. So if you stretch before bed, your I, I guarantee your back will feel better. Really? I'm really bad at being consistent with things though, because I even printed out this. <laughs> this is so lame. There was a. I think it's called Buns, Guns, and Abs, <laughs> 30 day challenge. Nice. Buns, guns, and abs. Yep, good. So you do push-ups, squats, and like leg lifts for your abs. And it's a 30-day challenge, so it increases slightly day by day. And I was like, cool. And I printed it out and stuck it on my mirror. I was like, that'll – because I look at that a lot, <laughs> my mirror. I was like, I'll, I'll, it'll inspire me to do it, and I'll like cross it off each day. How many days do you reckon I've crossed off? Three. One. <laughs> I've done the first one. How long ago was that? A, couple, a few weeks ago. Oh, dear. Is it still there on the mirror? Yeah. Do you oh, feel yeah. guilty every time you look at it? Yeah. But I'm still going to cancel that gym membership. Again, right? Yeah, exactly. I can start yeah. again. I think you, what you have to do is cancel the gym membership, but then start doing the guns, buns, yeah. abs. And abs challenge. Yeah, you're right. Guns, buns, and abs. It's pretty great. I couldn't this, find uh, an uns rhyme for abs. And, and tums. Oh, Idiot. Oh, yeah. Guns, buns, tums. That's very good. Now, Jess, is this report that you're about to give us on a topic anything to do with fitness? Well, yeah, I was going to say this does kind of tie in a little bit. So Amazing. Because kind of Matt and I don't know what you're about to school us in, but we usually start with a question to get us into or onto the topic. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be? This week, who do you think is the greatest explorer in history? Oh, my God. There's so many. Explorer being a... Explorer of land or of sea? Or of mind. Oh. Of the the mind. Just spitball. Who are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking the names. I don't know anything about any of these people, really. But the names I think of are James Cook. Magellan. Ferdinand Magellan. Uh, The guy. uh, What's the guy? Christopher Columbus. Columbus is the other one. They're the three big ones. You're going mostly ocean, aren't you? Oh, what about. This uh, is land, a a very pointy high land. Everest. Oh, man, Everest. Is it. um, Is it the New Zealand guy? Yeah, what was his name? Why, why have I gone? Um, You'll notice. I know it's a tism it. lyric. Uh, oh, of course, it's a fucking. <laughs> yeah, of course, in, it in, is. Uh, in "Never Gonna Be an Old Man" river, he says, um, uh, "Someone had Everest in his veins," <laughs> and it's the guy's name. Uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know why I've gone blank. It's I a can't... guy's name, and it's a, this is a famous guy. I it know is. this guy, and I'm. I kind of want. Hillary to... had Everest in his veins. Very yes. good, Edmund Hillary. Edmund, Edmund Hillary. Hillary. Very and... good. You got there. His sidekick, who people always overlook, the uh, was was that Samson the donkey? <laughs> what you mean, Simpson and his donkey? <laughs> That's so disrespectful. Oh my god! To the actual human. <laughs> Do you mean Simpson and his donkey Tenzing. from Gallipoli? Tenzing Norgay. Oh, he had a Sherpa. Yeah, of course. And they're the guys who probably. Do all the work. Do a lot of the work. I didn't know he had a sidekick. You thought he had a fucking donkey yeah, on Everest. <laughs> I was getting a couple of stories confused there. You were. Uh, oh, this is Samson with the hair. Simpson. Simpson and his, and his donkey and Hillary on a mountain. Very different. Yeah, it would have been a mountain goat, if anything. Yeah. 
So he had a Sherpa. Why isn't well, the Sherpa, no, no, the Sherpa famous? He wasn't his Sherpa. He was a person also on the expedition. Right, okay. Yeah, that's so right. there was a two-man expedition. There was more than that. Much more than that. Oh, I guess we're going to find this stuff We're going to find so much out. <laughs> Shall topic. I begin? I don't know anything about this. Well, see, like, it's interesting. I, I, I think I must have done it in primary school or something. So obviously I will cover the actual, um, uh, like, the expedition um you know, in a bit more detail. But what I found kind of interesting was just his life as well. Like, he's actually been... He was a really interesting guy. Right. So uh, we'll have a bit of a bloody look. I, I, ne- I never had thought of him as an explorer either. Yeah, I know. I thought of I him saw, as a climber, but that makes sense. That's why at the start sense. I was he's like, explorer is hard. Is, it, is a bit of a tricky term. But if I said, who's the best mountain climber, it might give it away. Is he the f- Was he the first person to climb Everest or the first... White person to climb Everest. First person. Right. Cool. Well, yeah. Recorded yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'd got to the top. Previously. Yeah, some guy's like, I'm not going to write this down or anything. Like two thousand years ago, made it. Just went for a jog up the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> which I call. I think it would be pretty doubtful. Uh, the Dumpy's Hill is what I call it. But um. <laughs> and I'm Dumpy. Yeah, I'm Dumpy. <laughs> That's why I call that because it's just no big deal. I jog up it every morning. Dumpy's Hill, it's just my morning exercise. I wonder if there are big hills somewhere in the world, is what he used to say to his friends. You dreamed about (coughs) heading around the world. um, Dumpy, Dumpy's Hill. So, Edmund Hillary was born in New Zealand in 1919. Um, His sister, yeah. It's the year of my grandfather's birth. Not that anyone needs to know that, but no I needs to know that. you I chucked hope, it in there anyway. Jeez, I hope Jess edits that out. Yeah, just really clean. <laughs> I edit all of his sentences out. Do you? Yeah, it's it's this podcast to It's heavily to. edited. It's just you and I. I'm sure people would. <laughs> no one knows I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. I'm trapped in the studio. <laughs> Send help. I, I don't think Dave gets it. None of this is going, None of it's going, going out. I had, his mic is off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he's born in New Zealand in 1919. His sister June was two years older than him. He had a brother, Rex, who was one year younger. Great name that needs to come back. So Rex, Rex. was born in 1920, the same year as my both of my grandfathers. Oh. Matt, does anyone need to know that? Please. No, no, no one needs to know. Stop making this podcast about your family. Now, their father, whose name was Percival, great another name. great name, great was a really strict, hard parent who um, Edmund admits he was quite scared of. They sort of feared their, their dad. Um, well, as you should. I think you should, everyone should fear their dad. Yeah. I think you should fear everything and everyone. Mm, I just yeah. think you should live your life in fear, personally. Yeah. That's why I've got this big tattoo that says fear. Who can you trust? No one. Trust no one. Trust no one. I've got the no fear tattoo with those weird eyes. Mm-hmm. I got it done in uh, <laughs> the mid-90s. Um, no regrets. I've got a... I've got a, a I've got, Mambo with that yeah. dog <laughs> lighting the his, lighting dog his fart. fart. <laughs> Musical. What is it called? It's called. It's got a name. That dog fart thing. Does it? It's, I know it's Reg Mombasa is the yeah, artist. Dog, dog fart. Dog toot. It's called something. Dog like. toot. That's great. Can't, can't I, I had a Mambo toot, pencil can. case with that dog fart on it. Did you? I was pretty popular. God, you're a baller. <laughs> um, can I go on? Please. <laughs> <laughs> and normally, it's someone else going to go on. Can I please? Yeah. <laughs> Places to be. So, pretty tough childhood, I imagine. Tough childhood. He was a pretty small, weedy child. I, me- I imagine him much like a small Dave Warnocky. Oh, God. He was a very skinny child. He, he remembers being quite lonely at school and not having many friends. Oh. That I wasn't tying to you. Just Thank you. Just a small thing. We've had quite a lot of friends. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Imaginary and otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, something I thought was quite cute was that uh, in an interview, his sister said one of their father's rules was that the children went to bed early and went straight to sleep. But Edmund was a big reader. He loved reading and he'd stay awake until like one or two in the morning reading. I love the idea of a dad saying, everyone go to bed and go to sleep straight away. He comes in in five minutes. If you're still awake, he's going to yell at you until you fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Are you asleep yet? Are you sleeping? I, how now? How about now? How about now? Are you sleeping? I'm going to kill you. Dad, you're making me really tired with yeah. this tirade. What's that you're talking? You're probably not talking in your sleep though, are you? Maybe that's where tirade comes from, from the word tired. Dave's face was contorted and very scary in that entire exchange. It is nice to see um, Dave fire up. He's normally so composed. There's not much that will fire me up. One thing is kids not going to sleep straight away. (laughs) When told. On command. (laughs) On command. And sleep. (laughs) Right? Dave's children are are, uh, little chickens. And he's... (laughs) They're hypnotized. (laughs) Yeah, he's... Used to them really going down. He just blocks out the sun and it's 
That's all he has to do, block out the sun. Lights out. Away they go. (laughs) Anyway, so he would stay up late reading, and when his father found out that he was staying awake late reading, he was furious, but instead of stopping, Edmund just tied a piece of string around his toe that led to his sister's bed. Like, she was in a separate room, but, like... I think they were sort of joined. And when she would hear or see their father coming, she'd pull on the string and he would, like, put his books away and pretend to be asleep. Okay, <laughs> so the dad's not noticing a big a string. A long piece of string. He's fine with string, just kids being awake. Now that. Not okay. He draws the line. Not Dad's on. got a short fuse but a long string. <laughs> <laughs> that almost made sense. <laughs> <laughs> Now, he was quite a small, weedy 11-year-old boy and he struggled when he first attended um, the Auckland Grammar School. And he remembers a PE teacher sorting them into groups and him being sorted with the other misfits, <laughs> as they refer to, which is nice. And this was the beginning, as he says, of his lifelong feeling of inferiority. With everything really? that he goes on to achieve, he always feels inferior. Das fucked. <laughs> but that's the guys who achieve stuff in life, yeah. guys and girls. They're normally Thank people you. with daddy issues. We can achieve things. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I, did I say usually or anything like that made it sound like I know that that's a fact? I've just heard anecdotally that um, high achievers often have... Daddy issues. Daddy issues want to um, get the approval from their dad, so they really strive for great heights. Yeah. Literally sometimes. Much like... Edmund Hillary. No, no, I wasn't thinking of him. I was thinking of... Buzz um, Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin, yep. He went even higher, Dave. Yeah. Read a fucking book. Read Quite. It, mate, read a book. Listen well, I would, but my dad podcast. keeps coming in and yelling at me every time I get one out. <laughs> oh, I don't know what what your excuse is for not a child. I had a great relationship with my dad. Still do. And that's why... You've achieved I, nothing. I'm quite mediocre in all respects. So really, as a, as a father yourself now, you need to just bring the pain... <laughs> It's uh, it's already being done. Good, good. Nothing ever. He brings things to me. Like he's 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 a baby, but he'll bring some like a painting or yeah. something. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> "Look what I did, Dad! Oh. Like, oh, this is the shittest thing I've ever seen." You know I like try sc- again. You know I like sculpture. <laughs> yeah, get back out yeah. there. Jesus, I know you don't have the fine motor skills to sculpt things yeah. yet, but come on, you're a Stuart man. Yeah, this by is... your age, Mozart had written like thirty symphonies. So. Yeah. What's your I excuse? assume, I don't know that for sure, but I assume that. I assume. What's your excuse, shithead? Yeah. Go fucking... I'd, I'm not looking at you again until <laughs> you've got at least 30 symphonies or equivalent in sculptors. Yeah. Sculptures. No, I will not buy you building materials or a piano. Yeah. I think the equivalent of 30 symphonies in sculptures is 45 sculptures. Yeah, easily. I think, yes, one symphony to 1.5 sculptures. Or four sculptors. Like if you're gonna, if you can teach, round them up, you're gonna yeah. round them up. Maybe teach them. I mean, it depends. If if they're pre-made sculptors, you probably need about twelve. But if you're actually teaching people from scratch, guys have never sculpted, <laughs> then it'd be about four sculptors <laughs> equals thirty symphonies. Mm-hmm. All right, young man, you got it. <laughs> you got that? Did you write? Did you write that down? Yeah. Oh no, you can't write yet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is that right? You can't write. Yeah. Well, another thing you can't do. <sighs> go to bed. Now, right. so Sleep. your son would obviously be in this misfits group as well, of course. Um, what so, do you mean by that? So, <laughs> so at eleven, he's this weedy little kid. But by fifteen, having worked on his uh, father's honey farm, they were beekeepers. Um, he now towers well over six foot. And oh, see, Jess, that's what you should do. You should work on a bee farm and then hope for a growth spurt. And then you'll be big and strong. I'm already big and strong. And your buns will be. Amazing, apparently. <laughs> oh, Dave, stop oh, talking about mean, Jess's buns, You please. mean in reference to my lack of fitness, gotcha. Yep. Um, I thought you meant in terms of making my dad proud, and I'll never do it, Dave. Buns, guns, and tums. So you're, I mean, there are some things, like, imagine if you just stick to that. You get really fit buns, really fit tums, really fit guns, but then just like these weird four, tiny forearms... Like shriveled up calf muscles. <laughs> You'd be a real misshapen freak. I won't. You've done well not to stick to that. <laughs> I agree. So anyway, we're back on the bee farm. He's on the bee farm. So how how tall is he? Six he's, got, so he's over six foot and he's only 15. So he, he grew even taller. Um, and he just became 
really physically strong. Like he was a very strong person. Not physically strong. Yeah, not mentally or emotionally. Still very weak emotionally. Oh, big time. But physically hmm. quite strong, which, you know, I hold that above any other type of strength. Same. Um, Me too. There you go. In his final year at school, he went on a school trip to a volcanic plateau in the centre of the North Island. And it was the first time he'd seen snow. And this trip, like they did a bit of skiing. They just sort of like did a little bit of climbing up little um, hills. and so, Like not, not big mountaineering climbs or anything like that, but they were just sort of mucking around. And it was sort of the, the trip was the beginning of his passion for climbing. That's sort of how he even puts it. Funny that the first ever man to climb Mount Everest didn't see snow until he was like 17 or 18. Yeah. It's not yeah. like some guy that's grew, grown up there. Wait, but you did say there was another guy. Was, yes. Was, was Hillary... Oh, we'll get to that. But I'm wondering, was the second guy, whose name I've already forgotten... Tenzing. Tenzing. Mm-hmm. I wonder, was, he, was he like the Buzz Aldrin? He did the... He stepped up second? What do you mean? Like he... Like, was he the second guy off the, uh, the rocket ship at yeah. the top of the mountain? Yeah, it was those two together. Together. They stepped Spoiler there at the same alert. time? Oh, well, there's a big debate about that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um... Tenzing. And that's a bit of sizzle right, for no, later. The, I Tenzing, very, rarely write, write anything down, but I'm writing that down. T-N-Z-I-N-G. Tenzing. Um, so four years later, he's finished school, and both the Hillary boys, so his brother Rex, they're working on their father's honey farm when World War II breaks out. Um, and originally, Edmund signed up for the Air Force. However, the entire family had recently joined a fringe Christian faith called Radiant Living. Seems a little culty, um, but it's actually in. I, I looked it up. They've uh, their whole sort of idea is this balance of like uh, faith, but also like physical fitness and health. So it's all about like healthy eating and stuff as well. It's kind of combining all of like the diet fads now with religion, which mm, I think is what uh, what the diet fads are missing. Yeah, I think that's also like combining all the things that people don't find annoying about people. Exactly. <laughs> hey, what do you want to chat about? Oh, please. Radiant Nothing living. Nothing with the Hillarys. Don't talk to the Hillarys. Don't talk about Don't it. make small talk with the Hillarys. Now, part of this radiant living was like it was a pacifist belief. Like, so they were they were against the war. And Rex Hillary spent the war behind wire. Is the way it was noted. It seemed like some sort of incarceration as a conscientious objector. So he was like, I, because conscription was around then. So he's going, no, I won't have a bar of it because I'm a conscientious objector. So that's Rex. Rex, his brother. And somehow their father argued to have Edmund exempt as well, which is weird because then like Rex is in some sort of prison, but not really a prison. But Edmund's fine. I don't. I didn't. Really, I couldn't really follow what happened there. But both, basically, both boys were like, "No, nah, I'm not not going to war." But that kind of troubled Edmund. He was. He felt a bit uh, about it. It's the technical term, being uh. Yeah, it would be tricky knowing that other people were doing it. Yeah. But also being like, I just don't want to be a part of that bullshit. Yeah, but he kind of did, and he was starting to lose faith in his religion. He was. He was bored with his life. Like he. He was sort of feeling very, um, like, this is it, which he wasn't happy with. And he convinced his father to let him have time off from Radiant Living, and he did join the Air Force as a navigator. I was going to say, because a lot of people join the Army at the time because of an adventure, because yeah. they feel like yeah, it's exactly. a purpose. exactly. So he joins the Air Force, he's a navigator, and... Um, which is what my grandfather was in the Second World War, wow. the one born in 1919. There you go. Oh, there we go. <gasps> Maybe you think? The... I'm related to Sir Edmund Hillary. <laughs> He was just living a quiet country life when I met him. Really? What? You've never brought this up. This is amazing. Two in two weeks. You're the grandson of Walt Disney. I'm the grandson of Edmund Hillary. Jess, who knows who your great-grandfather is? Who knows? Well, actually, my great-great-uncle was James Scullin, who was the Prime Minister of Australia. That's an uncle. So that's completely irrelevant. Is that true? That is true. Hang on, have you not brought that up? That's pretty. Uh, Matt doesn't seem impressed. I am suitably impressed. <laughs> yeah, he had like one term, wasn't great. Depression didn't help. You know. Yeah, it's hard to be popular in tough times. I remember it? very little about him though, so please no follow up questions. I'm, I'm just <laughs> impressed. I really am. Please do go on. Um, right, so uh, he's a navigator in the Air Force and the routine search and rescue missions aren't exciting enough for him. So with another airman, Ron Ward, he restored an old boat and between patrols he goes hunting for crocodiles. During an accident on the boat that they'd, they'd made, though, like something exploded, he oh, got dear. really severely burned 
and was sent home due to his injuries. So he was sent back to New Zealand. Makes sense why I was drawn towards the snow. It's nice and cool. Can't get Mm. burnt in the snow, can you? You can get frostbite and lose a limb, though. So Mm -hmm. So how, like, properly burned? He was really injured? In future interviews, like, it's nothing all that visible. Like, it's not all over his arms or face or anything like that. But apparently the injuries were quite bad. I think it's, like, upper arm. It's not good. And over the next few years, um, when he wasn't beekeeping with his brother, uh, he was on the Southern Alps in in New Zealand. So he was preparing to climb Mount Cook, which is the highest mountain in New Zealand, which is 3,724 metres. That's pretty high. Just a little sizzle, though, because we know what he's going to do later. Everest is 8,848 metres. Wow. Yeah, so I had no idea. I was like, oh, is 3,000 3, that good? It's pretty big, but it's... It's not Everest. What's Australia's highest one? It's Kosciuszko. Do you know what that is? I'm not. I was just thinking that myself. I bet, I reckon, it, I I bet it's 2,000 or something. I reckon. No. I reckon it'd be... Okay, <clears throat> do we say bigger or... Because uh, New Zealand's famously got big mountains. I reckon, great great um, ski resorts and Australia's got kind of shitty ones. But maybe that's to do with their place. A, in about 2,800 metres for Mount Kosciuszko. I'm going to say 2,650 Mount Kosciuszko has a height of 2,228 metres. Oh, both overshot it. Price yeah. is right, we'd both be out. Yep. Wow. So we've got this pissy little... I've walked to the top of Kosciuszko. You can just walk it. There's a trail. Really? You don't need to climb it. I've just walked up. Yeah, right. You know, so you you did a quarter of an Everest. Oh. That's pretty good. You just did that four times and you... Yeah. And I was like hill. a teenager too. Imagine Back before how, gym memberships. Imagine how good you'd be now. Well, imagine how good you would have been at your peak when you're actually visiting the gym. Yeah. Think about that. Four. Imagine, imagine how good you'll period. be when you have your guns, buns, and tums. Yeah. <laughs> peak <laughs> physical. They're the three key uh, ingredients to a successful oh, yeah. I'm sure you're about to tell us about that. Mm. About my guns, buns, no, and tums? No, about how Edmund Hillary worked out his guns, buns, and tums every day for a every day. couple of months before every he day. went. No, he seemed to just be climbing all the time and just like... Um, you know, shorter climbs, just doing sections. He reached the peak of Mount Cook um, on an expedition in 1947. So he did that. And he returns the following year to attempt the previously unclimbed south ridge of Mount Cook. I don't know if he was successful there, but let's assume he was. Um, so he's about 28 then? Pretty 47, good. yeah. Um, oh, 1947. Yeah. 28. Um, which is quite old. What's he doing with his life? Well, he's been keeping and climbing. He's been in the Second World War. I know. Right? I imagine that that took a couple of years of your life. Good call. Yeah. Good call. How many world wars have you been? Have you been to, Jess? I like the idea of going to a world war. <laughs> I've been there. Been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> Tick. Uh, in in 1951, he joined a New Zealand party to central, the Central Himalayas, um, which the trip wasn't actually all that successful for him. Because what sort of happened, and this is entirely from memory from watching a documentary, um, they were in this group of, there was at least four of them, um, all New Zealanders, and uh, one of his buddy, George, stops because his feet were so cold, they didn't have adequate footwear, um, so his feet were really cold, so they stopped to like try and, uh, and sort that out, and the other two kept going, and, and Edmund Hillary was like, they'll, they'll wait for us. Like, they'll wait, but they didn't. They just kept going. So Edmund and uh, George have just set up a camp, and the others, like, came back. and like, oh, yeah, we made it. We made it to the top. So uh, we can all head back down now. Oh. Yeah, and he felt really disappointed that he hadn't made it and, like, angry at himself. He wasn't really mad at the others. He was angry at himself. He was pissed at George. He was probably a little pissed at George, but he he didn't say that. But all it's done is, like, just pushed him forward in his mind. He's just even more... Like set on succeeding and climbing. He called his dad that night and said, "I made it. I made it a fair bit of the way." His dad said, "Not good enough." It means nothing. Why did you call me um, to tell me what that you failed again? The bees need you, and you're not here. You're letting down the bees. You're not even making it to the top, mate. No. And plus, if I, if my time zone calculations are correct, you are definitely past your bedtime. Mate. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> are you ready again? <laughs> Just yelling over the phone. Um, so the following year, in 1952, he was invited to, uh, by climbing legend Eric Shipton. You know, that legend. The great 
Shipton. To attempt Everest. Right now, traditionally, Everest had always been attempted from the north, which was the Tibetan side, um, and the British had already tried and failed seven times to scale the mountain That's from that classic side. British. Oh dear. Classic British. Um, and the route to Everest was closed because um, China had taken over control of Tibet, and Nepal only allowed one expedition per year. And a Swiss expedition had attempted to reach the summit in 1952, but turned back by bad weather and exhaustion, 800 feet or 240 metres from the summit. That's so annoying, isn't it, when they get so close. It's you like can... a Burke and Wills thing again. Like, you're so close. 240 oh, no, metres. but they were tired. 240 metres. I imagine the top we're bit... tired and the weather was bad. Meh. Oh, yeah, it was bad at the top of Mount Everest, you fucking losers. Of course it's going to be bad. Put a second jacket on. <laughs> Let me put a smile on your dial and let's get this done. They, they obviously were getting on very well with their parents. Pieces of shit. Put Classic a, Swiss. Just put quitters. Put a smile on your dial and get it done. It's great. Hashtag it. Classic quitters. <laughs> no, it's not worth a hashtag. <laughs> Don't force it. You've been told. You've been told. Let it happen naturally. We'll get to a hashtag, okay? Just let it happen. (laughs) Hashtag natural hashtag, okay? For example. Oh, yeah, that was nice. That was a nice experience. I know. I'm very good at them. Um, So, yeah, they're they're sort of restricted because they can't. um, Nepal will only allow one expedition a year, and so they've already tried, and and they got so close, and they didn't. so during a, just a, a routine trip in the Alps, Hillary discovered that he and his friend George, George Lowe, had been invited um, for the approved British 1953 attempt. Right, So they're like, okay, well, um, the Swiss have fucked it. The Brits are going to have a go. And they've so been like invited. Like the eighth, eighth time. Yeah, but from a different angle this time because they've tried from the, um, from the Tibetan side, which is the north side, which is apparently how it's always been traditionally attacked. They get, now they're going to try from Nepal. Because they can't get in from Tibet. Because China's like, Mm-mm, no, thank you. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, I feel a, a bit uh, feeling a bit guilty about my little uh, outburst against the Swiss. Look, I just I just want to let uh, the Swiss know that I have Swiss blood in me. Is that and, true? Yeah, and I just um, there was no hard feelings. It was a little bit, you know, I'm one of you. I can say that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Please uh, don't. Um, Go all neutral on me. I know that's your your way. Um, don't wage neutrality on me. Just keep on keeping on Swiss, you dumb cunts. <laughs> that was a sweet burn. B-E-R-N, which is the capital of Switzerland, yes, everybody. Right. Thank you. Thank you. I stayed silent there thinking about that for a while there. High fives have been dished out. I appreciate it. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, so he's been invited to be part of the British 1953 attempt, right? And he immediately accepts, but he feels a lot of guilt about staying away from home even longer than planned and leaving his father and brother to attend to the bees. Like, he, he really did feel guilty about the bees. Real, oh, God's He's sake, like, oh, Evan. you know, it's a lot of work for Dad and Rex. I mean, as far as beekeeping, I mean, it's in the top. They're keeping bees. How hard <laughs> could that be? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. They must have at least three bees. So he feels One quite... for each man. <laughs> so he feels... Edmund, your bee's getting really <laughs> pissed. Where are you? <laughs> It's just flying around in circles. He's really bored. He wants you to come play He's with him. He's got so much honey in its box or whatever. Big box of honey. Oh, <laughs> Jess's face made me feel weird. Uh, so he sends a telegram to his brother and father, and I have the telegram. It says, oh, can I say stop where the full stops are? Because presumably yes. that's how it would have been. Oh, you got yeah. it. Oh, yes! Just okay. like on the sound of music. Yeah. So he says... Invited Shipton Everest Expedition. Stop. <laughs> Could not refuse. Stop. Wait, can I stop you? you got to. You. You've got to do it in a more of a Sydney Scheinberg kind of voice. Well, no, because he's a Kiwi too. Yeah, but that's how they just read him in the olden days. I'm not doing a voice. Yeah, fuck you. I definitely would have. I always, I'm a dancing monkey for you. I do bad English accents at the drop of okay, a hat. Okay, all right. I'll do it, but I'm... I, I, the only I guilted thing, you into it. The other thing I can think to do is like a 1940s voice. Yeah, though. perfect. Well, that may, almost makes sense. It was 50s, sense. so... <laughs> it's way off. I hate this. I just want to read um, the Jess, telegram. I'm going to stop you right there. That was more of a 1940s voice. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so said... We've done two 1950s episodes back to back. Can I read the fucking telegram, please? <laughs> Thank you. He said, <clears throat> I can't do an accent as well, though, in the 40s voice. I'll do, well, either do a Kiwi voice or a 40s voice. In- invited Shipton Everest Expedition. How do I say stop? Stop. So no, it's the same. Stip? Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> O's is fine. Stop. Could not refuse. <laughs> stop. Please forgive Earring son. It's supposed to be erring. And should be forgive. 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 Er, earring son. <laughs> oh, this is indecipherable. Maybe you should just do it. <laughs> <laughs> do we start that again? <laughs> All I'm doing is disappointing okay. you guys. The point was, I've done the dumb accent. The point was, he said, you can't refuse. Please forgive me for being an erring son. I'm... Sorry, soz, dad, but I've got to climb. My heart wants to climb. P.S. Say hi to my bee for me. <laughs> Buzz. Oh, that's a great name for a bee. Thank you. I'm good at hashtags and naming pets. And naming bees. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got one name and it's Buzz. But I'm very good at saying it when I need to. I'm Jess Perkins. Hi. <laughs> I'm at someone talking to Jess. I'm being Jess, being someone else. Hi. I've got a pet bee. Can you name it for me, please? Yes, Jess, I can. Wait, no, I'm Jess now. <laughs> Fuck. Can anyone else tell that I'm moving to either side of the microphone at the moment? Well, um, Jess's friend, also named Jess, I would call your bee Buzz. Oh, you're so good at naming bees, Jess. Well, you're Kiwi now. <laughs> what has happened? I don't know, but I think Matt's broken. Yeah, he seems to be, doesn't he, eh? Yeah. And scene. <laughs> what are you on? <laughs> Where'd you get that from? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Suddenly got so hyped. <laughs> so sorry. But it was also, like, I think, we could, I think we could agree, Dave, that was very moving. All right, I'm going to move my chair a bit further back and just listen for a bit. No, no, no. You still need to contribute. That's too far back. Now we can't hear you. Just stay in place and let Jess talk. So he's apologised to his family, but he's also like, he knows it's his dream. Yeah, i got to do it. Like, you can't say no to that opportunity, right? I think that's right? fine. I think that's fine. So um, Shipton was named as the leader uh, of this of this expedition, but he was replaced by a guy called John Hunt. What happened to Shipton? He's the legend Nothing. that we all love. He was, just, he was still there, but he wasn't the leader. For some oh, reason. Oh, a bit of a mutiny on the hill. A bit of mutiny. But no, I think he was the kind hill. of okay with it. The mountain. The mountain. Now, oh, so John Hunt's now the top John two. John Hunt, top dog. And he, Hillary considered pulling out. 
Um, but both John Hunt and uh, Shipton talked him into staying on the on the expedition. So he was intending to climb with his mate George Lowe, but Hunt named two teams for the assault, as they're called. Tom Bordelon. So assault or ascent? It says assault. Assault because wow. they're assaulting the top of it. <laughs> They gotta really go at it. Well, salt melts ice. Yeah, I was gonna say oh. that's you. You sprinkle salt after. I learned that from home alone. After you shovel the snow off your driveway, you you sprinkle salt on it. There you go. So there's two teams. Tom Bordillon, Bordillon. Tom Bordillon. Bordillon and Charles Evans and uh, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay. So. So they're team one. Uh, team one, well, I guess like they're two teams, two teams of two. So you got Tom and Charles, uh, Ed and Tenny. <laughs> Tenny. Tenny. I don't know how you would zing. What would you call him? Zinger. Oh, so much. Like that's such a good name, Tenzing, Tenzing. Norgay. Yeah. It's the only thing I've got written on my piece of paper. That's how much I love it. It's a great name. Tenzing Norgay. So many opportunities for nicknames there. So T- many. Tenzo, Tenny, uh, Teabag, uh, Tenzing. No, uh, mm-hmm. zinger, etc. Zingo. So there's so many. Nor- Nor- there's heaps. Um, Norgay. So, yeah, there's heaps of them. Is there? Dado, a... <laughs> you know, whatever. So there's two teams. Mm-hmm. Two teams are two. But do they go completely different directions, or do they both sort of go the same? I think uh, yeah. Same yeah. side of the mountain, or are they separate? I don't think they're completely separate. I think they they may not be like right, all four of them together at one point, but they're kind of um, tackling different sections. In different ways. Assaulting different Assaulting sections. Assaulting different sections. So Tenzing Norgay, who he's forging this friendship with, is he like a local Nepalese guy? He is. He is a Nepalese-born, I think, Indian Sherpa mountaineer. So he is one of the Sherpas. He's the guy you want. If yeah, you, no, the Sherpas are... If you're going to get a sidekick... I know it's easy to back retroactively, but I would definitely back them as my favourite team of the two teams. Yeah, yeah the right? one with the Mountaineer. What, what are the other guys? Yeah. Accountants? Sorry, sorry, you know Jess. how I feel oh, about sorry, accountants. Jess. How dare you oh, bring no. them? I was having a really lovely day, sorry, and Jess. then you brought up accountants. I'm sorry. <laughs> Specialising in tax. Oh, <laughs> how dare you? Well, if it makes you feel any better, Jess, apparently a lot of people die whilst climbing Mount Everest. So. Good. Hope they go. died. No, seriously, lots of people have. Um, so the hunt expedition, total... How many people do you reckon would be involved in an expedition? Okay, so when you say they're on teams of two, do they also have a team as well? They've got like a support team as well. Oh, yeah. right. Sorry, I thought there was just the two These and two. are the main climbers. Ah, oh, right. But I don't know. How many... Do they have like a, two... A guy each helping them? Matt, how many uh, do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon you'd have a PA each. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taking reckon, notes? Do you reckon you'd have 400 people? No, definitely not. They had 400 not. people. There's no way that's possible. Are you serious? Yeah, it makes no sense. So they had 300... They're on the mountain with them. 362 porters. I'm guessing that... I'm, I'm, I'm a guessing. I'm guessing they're either at base camp or even lower down. Like, it's... Man, all right. Dave, I need you to give me a duty for each of these. Obviously, they'd all have different jobs. So, well, okay, what are the well, 400 it. jobs? That's the thing. They've got 362 uh, porters. Porters are just the ones carrying shit. Guy carrying the boots, yep. carrying the ropes. That's the second guy. Guy carrying goggles. Yep. Guy carrying pants. Yep. Guy washing the pants. Okay. That's not a carrier, it's a washer. Guy washing underpants. Guy carrying underpants. Um, guy digging holes for them to take shits in. The oh, understudy for the guy digging yeah, holes. Yeah, exactly. Understudy. Et cetera, et cetera. So you see how it adds up. You know, you they're, see how you need that. Official bio- I, I, when I ask the question, I'm like, there's no way we're going to think now, of 400. But yeah. now... Yeah, that'd be pretty easy. Official sense. biographer, phot- photographer, mm-hmm. unofficial biographer, unofficial photographer. Yeah, the list—it just goes on. It goes on and on. They had about twenty Sherpa guides, ten thousand pounds of baggage, Ugh. and it was really seen as a team effort. Like they're like, this is—it's—it's. It's I would—I would say that history sees it history another way. It yeah. Yes. And as far as teams go, how many teams have four hundred people? Yeah, I know. I'm, that seems a bit ridiculous, but apparently that's the case. It feels like, of course, they made it. Four hundred people. They could have. You could have just like had four hundred people holding hands. The bottom guy is at the bottom, and the top guy is at the top. They're just holding hands. Yeah. Just a bloody chain of people. I'm holding out my hands in case you guys don't know what that might look like. 
Imagine there's a guy at that end <laughs> holding my hand, and a guy at that end holding my hand, and each of those guys are also holding a Times guy's that hand. by 400. I don't think that'll make it to the top of an 8.8 kilometer mountain. But... Well, I don't know if you're doing the maths right, Dave. Jess, am I right? I think you're right. Yeah. All right, Dave, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Matt. I'm so sorry that he felt the need to contribute. Um, when I say it was a team effort, though, it's uh, it's kind of the way that they break up different parts of the expedition. So, for example, George Lowe supervised um, the preparation of the, I'm going to say this definitely wrong, like the Lotse face, which is this huge ice face for climbing. So he sort of, you know, supervised that. Edmund Hillary forged a route through uh, part of an ice fall. So it's kind of like they're all taking turns in being the leader and working together as a team because the idea is just that we get to the top because nobody's done it, right? You look concerned. What's wrong? Yeah, and I was just a... Who's paying 400 people? Yeah, it's, it seems excessive. It's always about the money with you, Dave. So the expedition set up base camp in March of 1953. So maybe, I'm doubting 400 people are in base camp, but, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a support group at base camp. They're there in March 1953. So, so Edmund's 34 years old. Yeah. Still time for us, guys. Um, there's still time. Well, not much for you, buddy. But, um. <laughs> Cop that, Matt. You just have to find 400 mates. So they work quite slowly um, up uh, to its final camp at the South Coal, which is at 25,900 feet, which is 7,890 metres. So, so that's really high. It's quite high, yeah. And on the 26th of May... I prefer quite high. Really high was a bit excessive. It's quite high. Like more than three Mount Kosciuszko's. It's yeah, quite high. Pretty high. Jess, which Jess strolled up. Yeah, I strolled up really easy. We took a packet so of chips. So it's three with us. strolls. And I was like 13. Just, anyway. And how much ice and snow was there? Not a lot. Yep. Imagine if she was 39. She could easily do Everest. <laughs> On the 26th of May, the other team, um, Bordillion and Evans, attempted the climb but turned back when Evans' oxygen system failed. The pair had reached the south summit, which uh, meant that they came within 300 vertical feet or 91 metres of the summit. Oh They're my 91 metres away. They didn't quite make it. I don't know how... It's obviously very icy up there, but maybe you could see it. Oh, man, I walk Yeah, I wonder. It's probably so meters. foggy. No, I don't reckon you could. I walk 91 metres nearly every day. Do you walk it up? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, reckon, I reckon you might even walk. So they more. just had to bail because without the oxygen, you'd obviously die. Yeah, to get, exactly. Damn it. So they turned around and came back. So that's when John Hunt then directed Edmund Hillary and Tenzing to go for the summit. He's like, go oh for my it. God. So there was just a bit of luck there for Edo. I guess so in a way. But I think they, they probably thought that all four of them would make it though. Probably, yeah. Presumably they thought you're the ones who are going to go to the top. But um, the snow and wind held the pair back um, at at the South Coal, which is that spot, which is um, at 25,900 feet. So they've still got like a long way to go. Um, they had to wait there for another couple of days because the, the weather conditions were quite bad. And they set out on the 28th of May with support trio, uh, including George Lowe and a couple of others. Um, so they pitched a tent at uh, at that spot on the 28th of May while their support group returned down the mountain. And on the following morning, Hillary discovered that his boots had frozen solid outside the tent. <laughs> so he spent two hours warming them up before he and Tenzing attempted the final ascent. And they were both wearing 30-pound or 14-kilo packs, which doesn't seem like a lot, 14 kilos. That's nearly that's all of lot. Dave's weight. I know. It's and like you're trying to climb Dave like... Trying to climb up ice and rock and... And like, there's very little oxygen, so you're... Um, yes, you're really tired. You're exhausted. But I also think that... Every step is a battle. It's very dumb to leave your shoes outside in yeah. the snow. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. But it's rude not to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get... I don't want to ruin the carpet. Oh, what? that's great. But how do you warm... Is he just... <laughs> breathing on them? They've probably got little... Uh, How do you warm up little, shoes when you're in the snow? Little kerosene burner things. Are oh, yeah. right. Probably, yeah, I wonder. Put them on a fry pan. No, probably just breathe it on a bit. <sighs> Using your very little air. That yeah, exactly. Got. That's probably how you'd want to use your last breath. Um, so the crucial move for the, for the last part of the ascent was a 40-foot or 12-metre rock face that was later named the Hillary Step. It was named after him. Because um, he saw a means it's to... also a, a dance move. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in the 1950s, it got quite big in the uh, square dance halls. Square dance halls. The Hillary Step. Of, uh, New What's Zealand. it look like? Uh, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> See that? 
Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, so that's sort of like your normal two step. But sure. then he turns it into this. Oh, yeah. that was that was what changed it to yeah, the Hillary no, I step. See. I see, it's worth it. Yeah. Thank you for demonstrating. It's hard to do. It is. I learned that that step took me about six years to learn. <laughs> do you think that Nave mastered it? He'd do it over a twelve meter rock face. Yeah, yeah. I thought that, so. that's the tough part. The bit where I jumped twelve sure. meters at the end. Sure. In sure. one one false you, move. You jump. I mean, you just saw meters. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, step. <laughs> um, so Hillary saw this means to wedge his way up a crack in the face between the rock wall and the ice. So they're just kind of. I'm not. What I like to imagine is like they've got their back against the rock and their feet on the ice and just like shuffling their way yeah, up. up. I don't think that's quite how it went, but in my head it is. So yeah. therefore in history, that's how it happened. And in my head, now that is also how it is. Thank you. So they make it, they've made it to the top. They've made it to the summit. Oh, yes. Well done. I'm, I'm proud. Apparently, after, after getting like through that, uh, that 12 meter rock face, it was fairly easy after that. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Comparatively yeah, easy. Yeah, it must have been. Um, and in, uh, in his, his narration, The Dreams Come True, Tenzing Norgay stated that Hillary had indeed taken the first steps atop Mount Everest, despite Edmund Hillary himself quoting that both had reached the summit at the same time. Oh. So who got there first? Uh, well, that's the thing. That was sort of widely debated. And I'll talk a bit more about that later as well. But it sounds like Hillary's saying both at the same we time. We got there at the same time, but Tenzing's like, no, no, he was ahead of me. He got there first. Oh, that's quite... I, I like it that it's not one person claiming, no, I was there. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a much nicer argument. No, no, no. Well... We did it together. No, no. No, no, no. Thank you were there. Thank you so much. Thank you, but... but... I couldn't possibly... <laughs> No, uh, you hang up first. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they reach Everest's 29,028 foot or 8,848 metre summit, the highest point on Earth at 11.30 a.m., you know, supper time or morning tea. Um, and as Hillary put it, a few more whacks of the ice axe in the firm snow and we stood on top. <laughs> a few more whacks there, chaps. <laughs> um, <laughs> They spent only 15 minutes at the summit. Hillary took the famous photo of Tenzing posing with his ice axe, but since Tenzing had never used a camera, Hillary's ascent went unrecorded. Yeah, isn't that funny? I knew that he'd never had a photo up there. Which However, is though... Very annoying. Again, according to Tenzing's autobiography, which is called Man of Everest, when Tenzing offered to take Hillary's photo, Hillary declined. And, uh, and this is a quote. He said, I motioned to Hillary that I would now take his picture, but for some reason he shook his head. He did not want it. I think bullshit. Wow. Surely you'd want your photo. Yeah, but like I don't, I don't particularly. I'm not really one for selfies. But it also. Much. But if feels I was on like the top of Everest, I would take for the selfie. first time. Yeah. Even no, no. Even now, <laughs> heaps of people have done it. I'd still take a photo. Oh, definitely. You know. Oh, I don't know how to use a camera. Like well, you put, you just push this button. Push it, you can't fuck it up that crink, much, can crink, you? Crink, it would have been those. It would probably have been in the days of the disposables or whatever. Where you had to wind them on, crunk, 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 and then. I don't. It's pretty think, straightforward. I don't think it was a disposable camera. And is it true mm-hmm. that Sir Edmund Hillary took a piss up there? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. You yes. ever come across that? You come Let's, across I that? I didn't come across that in in reading it, but I've read that before that he took a piss up there. I love that. I hope that's true. Matt, if you're Googling, can you please... Oh, no, I can't. That's no. Gonna... Let's just say, yes, he definitely did it. Because who needs truth? Yeah. Now, Tenzing left chocolates in the snow as an offering, and Hillary left a cross that he'd been given by John Hunt. And they took a few extra photos, and then... So, like, photos from the top looking down the mountain, just, like, proof that they'd actually made it to the top. Yeah, I imagine a lot of people would be, would be doubting it. Yeah. yeah. A la the moon. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they took a few extra photos. And then they had to take care on the descent after discovering that drifting snow had covered their tracks, because originally they were just like, we'll just trace our own steps <laughs> back. Because they'd sort of... They'd, you know, careful footings to, to get there safely. They're like, well, you know... Yeah, just the way up, it'll work the way down. But the snow's covered it, so they're, they're being really careful. Now, the first person that they, they met was uh, Hillary's lifelong friend, George Lowe, who had climbed up to meet them with hot soup. To the top? Cute? Not right to the top, oh. but this is on their way back down, so he probably got close. What a legend. Isn't that cute? Did, that did, to me, in my mind, that just makes it sound so easy. There's a guy just carrying a mug of hot soup, not spilling a drop. Yeah. <laughs> no, two mugs of soup. <laughs> He's just no, walking he's up. Two bowls of soup. <laughs> oh, that's great. With some bread. 
got it all. And, but he's like, he's got like bread on separate plates, yeah. so he's got it all up his arm. Crack pepper, sir. Yeah. <laughs> he's on a chairlift. He's like, I don't, I don't know why you guys just didn't take this thing. Just take the chairlift. Hmm, weird. Anyway, soup. Um, now, the, as we were sort of uh, we alluded to before, there was always a lot of speculation as to who reached the summit first. As who pissed on the summit who first. Who pissed on the no. summit first. Um, and who shat on the summit first. <laughs> Even the official... I would like to be the first man to shit on all seven major summits of the earth. Wow, what a goal. Thank you, but please do go on. What will they, what will they think? Um, even the official documents state that the men reached it together. That was sort of to appease, um, like, you know, the people of Nepal and the British. And okay, so... Just if, keeping everybody happy. If they reached it at the same time, why do we all know Sir Edmund Hillary's name but not Tenzing Norgay? People do know Tenzing Norgay's name. You're just an uneducated piece of shit. I See, I knew that there was another guy, but I didn't know his name. Yeah. I didn't well, even know there was another guy. Maybe we know it more because Edmund Hillary was a Kiwi. I was going to say that I reckon there's two things probably for us. Proximity. One of them is that. Mm-hmm. And the other one is that Edmund Hillary is white. Exactly. Oh, yeah. big time. But like, for, I didn't at want the to time... say that. But yeah. And, and Tenzing's just a, just a lowly Sherpa man. His father was a yak Oh my god, that is too long there. I'm sorry. <laughs> because his that would have been big. <laughs> if his father was a yak, I'd be so impressed. <laughs> You paused for three minutes. His father was a yak. Heard <laughs> No, um, because no, because he, Edwin Hillary was one of the at the time like the most one of the most famous men on the whole planet. Mm-hmm. And Tenzing Norgay, I believe, went on to climb Mount Everest several times. Oh, yeah, I think he's as a, as a Sherpa. But well, I, he'd already he'd been part of the expedition, the Swiss expedition before. Who nearly got there as well. And did Edmund Hillary ever go back? Not to the top. I don't know why you'd bother. Yeah, you've been there, done that. Unless it was just your gig, Sherpin. Sherpin. But I, I, yeah, I'm so disappointed that we don't know way better. I mean, Hillary uh, is a great name. But Tenzing Norgay. Great name. Holy shit. It's one of the great names. That is a great name. Dave, I know you do, you write trivia questions. You've got to you've got to put that in. Tenzing Norgay. Yeah, that's going to be a question next week. He's the partner of whom? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. good one. So, for, so there's um, apparently like as they were on their way back down, coming back into Nepal, there was like banners and posters and stuff that depicted Tenzing basically dragging. <laughs> that is Hillary so good. Up the top, so that obviously everybody in Nepal <laughs> like, is like, like we Homer's... got there first, and yeah. everybody because it's a British expedition, so everybody in Britain's like we got there first. Yeah. So for thirty years, these guys stuck to their gentleman's agreement and refused to say who had reached the summit first. Yeah. Um, in climbing terms, like no one could have reached the peak alone, so they were like, "Nut, we're a team. We got there together," which I think is quite nice. Yeah. Until it was only after his friend's death in nineteen eighty six. So um. Um, Tenzing died in 1986. Hillary felt able to speak freely, saying, "Finally, I just I was to say, fuck him. Finally, <laughs> I got a gutful of it. I got tired of people saying Tenzing had got to the top first. So apparently, he said, I got there. Why? Who cares? Who cares? He had a gutful. Come yeah. on, mate. So he, he did claim it. I think so. Yeah. Ah, well, in the end, that whole nice. He could have continued to say, "No, we got there together." Who gives a fuck, really? I mean, like you say, you both... Neither of you could have got there without the other. Exactly. It was a team effort. Uh, Tenzing probably, to me, he's he's doing the bulk of the work. I'm He's the guy who's been up there before. He knows it. He's a mountaineer. Uh, Hillary's a beekeeper. I'm imagining it. He is being dragged up. The Simpsons episode? Yes, exactly. I was thinking of the power source bars, where the Sherpas at night drag Homer in a sleeping bag... And when he like excuses them, they cartwheel down the mountain. That's how I'm imagining yeah. Tenzing is on the mountain. Like he's just so good. So yeah, you're probably right. He probably got there first. But hey, Edmund's white. Or yeah, or he was just behind him, but like he was doing star jumps and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. jogging on the spot. He's like, come on, let's keep moving. God, he's so slow. No, you're right. This has been tough. Oh, whoa, that was tricky, wasn't it? You fucking dickhead. Yeah, yeah that's probably it. I will say that I just looked up Tenzing Norgay because I just felt he wasn't getting enough credit, but him and Edmund were jointly named one of Time's 100 most influential people of the 20th century. They certainly were. So that's pretty. So he got a little bit of credit, which I'm happy for. So news of the expedition reached Britain on the day of the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II, and the press called the successful ascent a coronation gift. <laughs> 
Uh, in return, the 37 members of the party received... That a, that's, sorry, I just want to stop you there and say that's probably one of the only things that would knock this event off the front page of the paper is a new queen. Mm. Yeah, but probably. it's funny that they've called it a gift. That yeah. means the queen owns it. You've given that to her. Well, the queen was the one. She owns it. what? The fact that some you can't own a. No, she. They. If that was the gift to her, then she's the first person who have You're assaulted right. the summit. You're right. Good job, Lizzie. And that's why we want to stay underneath her. I don't, I don't want, want to be, to be underneath, underneath anybody. Thank you. Hey, Jess. Do you think this episode more than any other, we have just cut you off about three words into every sentence? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do go on. In return, the 37 members of the party received the Queen Elizabeth II Coronation Medal with Mount Everest Expedition engraved on the rim. And the group was surprised by the international acclaim that they'd received upon arriving in Kathmandu. So they get back to Kathmandu and everybody's like, Whoa! And they're surprised. They're like, oh, do you guys hear about that? Yeah, they did. <laughs> and Hillary and Hunt were knighted by the young queen while Tenzing received the George Medal. Um, from the British government for his efforts with the expedition. Now that medal is uh, the one I think like the second highest, um, one of the second highest achievements you can get, and it's for bravery. Oh, that's great! So that's kind of cool because he couldn't have been knighted as as he wasn't in the Commonwealth, I guess. Yeah, I'm assuming. Was Nepal? Uh, was, was that no? Um, so post Everest, I want to talk a little bit about what um, about Edmund Hillary's life because he's done a lot, right? Um, so uh, he climbed 10 other peaks in the Himalayas on further visits in 1956, 1960 to 1961, and 63 to 65. He also reached the South Pole as part of the Commonwealth Trans-Antarctic Expedition, um, for which he led the New Zealand section. That was in 1958. So um, his party was the first to reach um, the South Pole using motor vehicles. So there had been a couple of treks in like 1911 and 1912 um, on foot, but they were the first to do it in cars. So it's like, well... Which is way harder than walking. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say, in Antarctica, it's opposite, where walking's easy, but driving, very difficult. Ah, oh, and takes much longer. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay, okay. You know, it takes a little while to put chains on the wheels. Okay. Yeah, that's an inconvenience no one wants to have yeah. to no, deal I'd with. No, I'd rather just walk it. Yeah. Um, anyway, Hillary married Louise Mary Rose on the 3rd of September in 53, um, soon after he came back from Everest. And he was a shy man, and he relied on his future mother-in-law to propose on his behalf. Oh, oh wow. Oh my yeah. goodness. That is not boding well for a relationship. Not good. How's the communication going in your relationship? Well, it's well, all right. As long as our mother-in-law's around, we, yeah, uh, we're, we're fine. okay they had three children, Peter, Sarah, and Belinda. And in 1975, while en route to join Hillary in a village in Nepal where he was uh, helping to build a hospital, Louise and their youngest daughter, Belinda, were killed in a plane crash near Kathmandu oh. Airport shortly after takeoff. Oh. So he's lost his wife and youngest child, which is um, very, very sad. Um, but between 1977 and 1979, so a couple of years after that, Hillary um, commentated aboard several uh, Antarctic sightseeing flights operated operated by Air New Zealand. So they would do like sightseeing flights, and he would like be like a tour guide, I guess, which is kind of so cool. Weird. So weird. But he was scheduled to commentate on the 28th of November 1979, um, the Air New Zealand flight 901, but had to pull out due to work commitments in the United States. He was replaced by his close friend Peter Mulgrew, and the air car- aircraft crashed into Mount Erebus in Antarctica, killing all 257 people on board. Wow, so he was supposed to be on... He was supposed to be on that and he... He got his friend to step up. his friend on, right? So that's already pretty bad. But then later, uh, Edmund Hillary married his friend's widow. Oh, and they both lost partners in plane crashes. Yeah, and then they got married. Coincidence. Um... Following, uh, so after post-Everest, he devoted much of his life to helping the Sherpa people of Nepal through the Himalayan Trust, which he founded in 1960. Um, And so through his efforts, many schools and hospitals were built uh, around the remote region of the Himalayas. I've got a list here. So they built 28 schools, 12 medical clinics, three airstrips and two hospitals. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Um, Edmund Hillary died on the 11th of January in 2008. Um, died of a heart failure at the Auckland City Hospital. Um, and it was announced by the Prime Minister and she stated that his death was a profound loss to New Zealand. And they had a... Um, in It was a couple of months later, in April, a service of Thanksgiving was held in his honour. 
in um, in the UK and the Queen attended. Got a couple of fun facts. I don't know how fun they are, but just to just to round off, a few fun facts. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Is that I'm okay? I'm ready. Hey, look. I am. You invented ready. the genre. These will be pretty fun. They're not even that fun. A couple are just quite nice. Um, his son Peter Hillary also became a climber. Um, he summited. Do you summited? Yeah. Summited Everest in 1990. Um, but in May 2002, Peter climbed Everest as part of a 50th anniversary celebration. And uh, Tenzing Norgay's son, because he had died in 1986, so his son was also part of the expedition. So their two sons oh, really did cool. it for them on the 50th anniversary. That's sweet. Which is quite nice. I like that. Um, sweet facts. Sweet fact. Yeah, it's not it's not fun, but it's bloody sweet. Yeah. This is uh, it's kind of cool. He's on uh, Edmund Hillary is on the five dollar note in New Zealand. That's great. That's pretty fun. That's r- uh, Who doesn't I mean, want to be on currency? I know what a what a sign of respect. Yeah. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. And just, Even if it is the five. And just finally, um, um, the second highest mountain range on Pluto is named in honour of Edmund Hillary. It's called Hillary Montez. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That is cool. He's got a mountain on a planet named after him. Is the second? Is the tallest mountain named after Tenzing Norgay? Who, the second highest who, is. Who possibly got there first? Well, is, um, it, is Pluto a micro planet or something? Is that that it's one? It's a dwarf planet. Dwarf planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's sort of like, that's the second highest mountain range. Um, and the highest known mountain range on Pluto is named Norgay Montez. After yes! Norgay. He got something better than, than Ed Bennett. Oh, bloody time. Yes. So it's pretty exciting. And they also got a airport named after them, the Tenzing Hillary Airport in Nepal. And Tenzing comes first yeah! again. Oh. So that is my report my OCD on m- means that I'll, I'm not able to let go of the fact you said a airport named after him. Did I? I can't, it makes me feel all weird. Did I say that? Yeah. Because, oh, I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm sorry. Well, it's because you. Cha- I think you were changing. You said a, and then there was a. Anyway, oh, sorry, I regret. No, no, no. Up. But I'm, I'm sorry to you. I'm sorry to our listeners. <laughs> sorry to my I'm English sorry. teachers. A airport. Oh, just kill yourself. I demand a apology. (laughs) So there we go. That is very cool. I did enjoy that a lot. And I hope that all of us can commit Tenzing Norgay's name to memory. Tenzing Norgay, Tenzing Norgay, Tenzing Norgay. That's how you commit things to memory. Good stuff. Thank you, Jess. I did appreciate uh, the report, Matt. It was really good, Jess. That was really interesting. It's funny that... I knew nothing about it. I could hardly even remember uh, Hillary's name, mm. let, let alone uh, Tenzing's name. Very good. I didn't know about any of that at all. Well, now you do. If you asked me when it happened, I would have said 70s. Okay. Or 40s or 60s, but not whatever you say. I'm, I'm never guessing 50s. Sure. 30s, well, maybe. Maybe. Now you know. And so do you all out there. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, if you want to get in contact or suggest a topic for us, or indeed for me to talk about on my report next week, you can get in touch on Facebook, where do go on, Twitter, do go on pod, email, do go on pod at gmail.com. Right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.